Welcome back to another episode of the Will Raggett's Show on Purple Insider. I'm Will Raggett. I cover the Vikings for SI.com. And joining me today is Paul Hodawanek of Purple Insider and WCCO. Paul, how's it going, man? I am ready to do this, Will. We are going through the 53-man rosters. I made mine last night. I, I hadn't done this exercise yet, so it was a nice um, kind of leveling point where I was kind of trying to figure out where I was at, where the team was at. So I'm excited to see your um, 53 and my 53, how they compare. And it feels like training camp's inching a little closer. It feels like we're within grasp at this point. So starting to get amped up about the season. Yeah, we're in late June. We're in kind of the the NFL's dead period. Uh, Sometimes there's a dead period in like right after the Super Bowl ends too, but we didn't have that at all with the the coaching search and GM search and all that. So um, the players are away doing their own thing. Uh, But yeah, training camp, like about a month away, I would say. I don't know. We don't know the exact date when it starts yet, but it's it's end of July usually. So thought it'd be a good time to go through and uh, kind of fill this football void and talk about the the 53-man roster, dive into each position and uh, some of the big questions that the Vikings are going to have to kind of answer as they put this roster together. Obviously, there's a lot of evaluations still to happen in training camp and in, in the three preseason games, but uh, we'll go off where we are right now, what we've seen uh, and heard in the spring, and uh, just some other factors, general common sense, things like that. So let's start with the quarterbacks. And Right away, I'll just ask you, uh, do you have the Vikings keeping two quarterbacks or do you have them keeping three? I have them keeping two quarterbacks. I have Sean Mannion on the outside looking in. I know he's the Kirk Cousins whisperer. He loves to have Kirk loves to have Sean Mannion in the building. He's gone. Then he's come back. Uh, Obviously been a big, big part of this team. But a theme I think you'll sense throughout my 53 is a whole new regime in place. A lot of the old ways things were done, I don't necessarily think are just automatic carryovers. So same regime in place. I think there's a chance you see all three quarterbacks just because of their rapport with Mannion. Obviously Mannion has been kind of in a McVay system before, so that maybe would make sense to keep him. But I wanted to utilize that spot elsewhere on the roster at this point, entering season three of Kellen Mond, this is kind of put up or shut up time as a backup. Can you prove yourself as someone that can at least hold that position because you haven't done it so far? So I would say big, big offseason and kind of training camp for Mond and what he can do probably comes down to what he does in the preseason games because, again, this regime isn't tied to him. But I don't have them keeping three. I think Sean Mannion probably like last year could get cut and then he could come back if they really need him in certain scenarios. If Mond isn't progressing, if someone gets hurt, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back on the team at some point, but I think when they finalize their 53 Mannion's on the outside looking in. Yeah. So I wanted to do that as well. I wanted to just keep two and kind of give Mond the backup job. I just couldn't quite pull the trigger yet. And I'm going to like update my 53 um, early in training camp. And then again, before, uh, roster cutdown day, but for now I've got them keeping three. And uh, again, I, d- I didn't want to do it because I wanted to have that flexibility. That's what's kind of fun about this whole exercise is like, if you keep somebody at a certain position, you got one less spot um, for like a competitive position elsewhere. Um, but I just haven't seen enough from Mond to to hand him that yet. Um, didn't see anything last year's rookie season. I mean, you, obviously the whole Mike Zimmer thing um, at the end of the year was kind of bizarre, but 
but we saw a couple passes in that Green Bay game that weren't great. That's you can't really go off anything positive or negative in a sample size like that. But uh, just being at practices in the spring, uh, Mannion still seems like the better quarterback right now, uh, and so I think that I think they're going to keep both and and the the whole Mannion a pseudo assistant coach thing factors in. It's possible that um they that they'll try to like you said maybe maybe keep stash Mannion on the practice squad or cut him and like have him uh on speed dial a phone call away um because I'm not sure how much demand there will be for his services after the league has the tape of uh what he did in that Green Bay game last year. So um for now I've got them keeping the three because I, I just didn't see enough from Mon to give him that backup job where if Kirk Cousins goes down and you're in an important season and, and Kirk Cousins doesn't get hurt ever, but it's still a possibility always in football. Um, like you want to have Mannion just to have that floor and have that, uh, that knowledge of the offense. So that's why I've got Mannion for now. Um, I also, I don't want to cut Kellen Mond before his second season has started. So I've got him with the three um, going on, going on to the running backs. And this is another interesting one. Um, obviously there's three locks, maybe four locks, uh, probably four locks. You've got Dalvin cook, CJ ham, who like the Rams haven't really used, um, a fullback in the past, but I think based on what we've heard from Kevin O'Connell, that's more just because they like didn't have one. Um, and, and he's talked about adjusting to the personnel that you have and the Vikings have a very good fullback in CJ ham, who you can do a lot of different things with. So I don't think like he's at any risk of being a surprise cut. Um, Alexander Madison entering a contract year is still that, that main backup that you need if cook has to miss a game. And then you've got the two kind of like change of pace running backs, Kane Wangwu, who I think his roster spot is safe because he's such a good kick returner. Uh, so the question is what to do with Ty Chandler, the, the rookie fifth round pick out of North Carolina. And they didn't draft Ty Chandler for no reason. Um, but it was a bit of a curious pick just because of the depth that they already had at that position. And they hadn't really addressed tight end or wide receiver at that time at all. Uh, so I have them keeping Ty Chandler because like they drafted him, And um, that to me, like a theme throughout my, my 53 was guys that were brought in by this regime, I think are going to be favored, not, not like handed jobs, but if it's, if it's close, somebody that they brought in is, is, probably going to have a better chance than somebody who's a holdover from the last regime. So I have him keeping Ty Chandler because I don't think they want to run the risk of him getting poached by another team. Uh, I think that pick was more about the future. Maybe if Alexander Madison's gone next year, but um, he could have a role this year too. I don't know what, what it would be, but I've got him on the initial roster. Yeah. I think this, this comes down to, and it comes to a lot of other spots on the, on the roster that we'll get to, how good do you feel about him making it to the practice squad mm -hmm. with Sean Mannion? I have really no like reason to believe he's going to get poached. So I feel good leaving him off the 53 because if they really want that guy in the room, they can put him on the practice squad. I think he's there. I don't think he's getting many other opportunities. I think he's a pretty safe guy to go on the practice squad. Now a fifth round running back that shows the speed that Ty Chandler had is that necessarily going to be a guy that you feel like you can make it, make it through that waivers process and onto the practice squad? I think that's the crux of this argument. If you leave him off, I think everyone's assuming he would come back to the practice squad. 
but do you want to risk it? And so at this point with a fifth round pick with that running, I'm, I just, I have a hard time believing they want to risk that with him at this point. So I also have him on the roster, making it through with those other four guys. And when the pick happened, I, I saw it as Alexander Madison insurance. I also saw it as Dalvin cook insurance um, for injuries. Dalvin's pretty susceptible to those and just getting up there in age. How much longer can we do this? They don't want to just be tied to Kenny Wangwu, who seems more like a change of pace back even at his peak. He seems more kind of a running back by committee guy. You're throwing in there as a fun kind of change up difference maker in the offense. That's going to be a, a really good returner as well. So I think they want to have that flexibility going into the future because the un, there's some unknown with their top two running backs. So I think he makes it through and they, they carry five running backs. Yeah. And, and it's worth pointing out, like, as we go through and I think you have to cut 37 players to get to, to get down to 53 from 90, like the 16 man expanded practice squads that were introduced um, for the whole COVID thing are, are still around. So the Vikings are going to have a lot of flexibility to like keep some young players, some unheralded, like undrafted guys around that they want. And you can have, you can have veterans on that practice squad. The, the rules are different than what they used to be. It's just a question of, can you get them to the practice squad? And then even when they're on the practice squad, they run the risk at any time really of being poached because you can protect each week, but there's a certain window like between Sunday and Monday or Tuesday or whatever it is that even before you've protected them, the teams can, can poach players. So it's always kind of a, uh, a balancing act there, but it's interesting that we both have Ty Chandler making the initial 53. The thing about him is, He's got a very different skill set from Alexander Madison, who's more of that like classic power back bruiser um, who has some some definitely some athleticism as well. But Ty Chandler is a guy with like sub four, four speed, uh, had a huge season at North Carolina last year, can catch the ball out of the backfield. So he's kind of in the Wangwu role. But the thing is, he's done it a lot more like he played a bunch first at Tennessee, then in North Carolina. Uh, Wang Wu was always behind guys like David Montgomery, Brees Hall. Like he just didn't have that many carries, um, in college. So that to me, like Chandler could push him. If, if there's an opportunity for one of those two guys to see some change of pace, speed back, receiving back snaps, like it's not automatically going to be Wang Wu because Chandler has more experience. Um, Wang was the kick returner for sure, but I'll be curious to see, um, if either of those guys, are used in any packages by Kevin O'Connell? And if so, which one? Yeah, because you don't think Wangwu has any worry about his spot. You feel like the kick returning kind of keeps him pretty safely on there because if Ty Chandler does bleed into that Wangwu role, this regime didn't draft Wangwu. Maybe they feel more deference to Ty Chandler, but do you feel like with what they saw from him last year, Wangwu seems pretty safe there? Uh, yeah, if you uh, lead the league in in kick return touchdowns as a rookie, I, th I think you buy yourself at least a year, even if the, uh, there's a new regime. Yeah. Um, let's go to the tight ends, which is kind of a thin position. Um, just in terms of raw numbers, there's only five of them on the 90 man roster. And then also in terms of like actual proven depth, um, cause you've got Irv Smith coming back who, um, I I've said this before, I'll say it again, was, was unreal at training camp last year. And I was all over like, huge Irv Smith breakout year coming uh, and then misses the whole year with an injury. So this is a exciting year for him as his, his contract year, um, another 2019 draft pick outside the first round. Uh, and that breakout year could be coming just, just delayed by a year. So he's, he's the main guy. I think 
um, Kevin O'Connell and, and um, Wes Phillips are, are going to find interesting ways to use him, like lined up in line, lined up in the slot, maybe out wide at times, just because he's kind of a matchup problem with his with his size and athleticism. Um, but enough about Irv Smith, because we're talking about the 53 and he's safe. So after that, you've got kind of a strange mix of backup tight ends. Uh, you've got Johnny Munt, who they brought over from the Rams last year. Um, he's somebody who has like 10 career receptions. He had one last year. I think this entire, um, I was looking up, this entire tight end depth chart, there's five of them combined for two catches last year. Well, and Irv obviously being hurt was a big part of that. But Johnny Munt had one and Ben Ellison had one. Uh, ben Ellison is another blocking tight end that the Vikings signed off waivers from the Jaguars early last season. Uh, and then Zach Davidson, who was a fifth round pick last year out of central Missouri, um, didn't see any time as practice squad guy. And then Nick Muse, who they drafted in the seventh round this year. Do you see like any chance that Davidson or Muse can fight their way onto this initial roster? Or um, I've got my top three as Smith, Munt and Ellison. And I'm, I'm just not sure that that seems very likely to change. Yeah, I think Davidson is in the conversation uh, with a really good training camp. If he shows he can be a viable receiving threat. I mean, Kevin O'Connell, I think, wants to use two tight end sets going into this first year. And so if they only have three tight ends on the roster, I could see them wanting to add a fourth, especially the fact that Smith was injured last year. The fact that I think uh, Munt has had some injury concerns as well. So he could be kind of that fourth. Um, he They could carry a fourth tight end that would take probably a receiver away. And so we'll talk about that later. So I think Davidson's, a lot of these seem slightly set, but the Davidson one, if he has a really good training camp, he could push one of those uh, back-end wide receivers off the roster and putting him on it. As of now, I don't have him on there though. I think he again could go down to the practice squad. I don't see again, a team poaching him. So I only have the three right now. I have Irv Smith, Ben Ellison, Johnny Munt, Nick Muse didn't even really consider him there. I think Ben Ellison is going to be your blocking tight end. Irv Smith's going to be kind of that combo guy. Mund is going to be a combo guy as well. I think they kind of think he has more receiving chops than he's shown. Uh, I guess we'll see. We just, I mean, I can't rely on that because we've just never seen it. Um, so I think this will be an interesting one in camp because I think Davidson has a really good chance to make the roster, but right now I wanted to have an extra wide receiver. So I left Davidson off. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like we are just doing these projections off of like draft pedigree and just our own educated assumptions. And, um, maybe I'm using like stuff I saw and heard in, in minicamp a little bit, but it's so much of it is just going to come down to training camp when they're playing actual football and the pads are on and, um, everybody on this 90 man roster is going to have an opportunity to turn heads and, uh, and come, maybe some guys could come out of nowhere, but we're going off what we have for now. And I don't, I don't really see Davidson or Muse, um, kind of elevating past the practice squad this year. Uh, but again, Davidson, like you said, he has a chance just with the combination of size and athleticism that, that caused them to draft him in the fifth round last year. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you said as well about Munt, who um, they have said that they kind of have some some expectations for him as a receiver that he can do a little bit more in that area. I just didn't really have the opportunity with the Rams. They also talked him up in, in terms of just how beneficial he's been in this transition to a new offense because 
he knows it really well. Wes Phillips, who's now the offensive coordinator, was was Munt's uh, tight end coach last year with the Rams. So uh, he's been a big factor, not just with the tight ends, but with um, a lot of offensive players kind of uh, helping aid that transition. So let's go to the wide receivers, which is a more interesting one just based off the sheer number. I think there's, there's 12 of them. Uh, I have them keeping six because uh, because I had the five running backs, because I had the three quarterbacks. I only had room for six receivers. Um, I, the big three, obviously, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, K.J. Osborne. Um, we, K.J. Osborne, I don't think, is is locked in as the number three guy, but he's he's at least locked in on the roster after, after what he did last year. And then I've got Amir Smith-Marset making it. I've got Albert Wilson, who they the veteran who they signed uh, pretty recently from the Dolphins. I've got him making it, and I've got Jalen Naylor, the rookie out of Michigan State, making it. So that leads to some difficult cuts, including B.C. Johnson, who's shown that he's a solid NFL wide receiver, and, and Dan Chisna, who is like one of the fastest special teams gunners in the league. And I, in an ideal world, he's on the roster for that reason alone. But um, I just I couldn't I couldn't justify putting him on there without any actual like receiving value, even though I know the Vikings have actually done that the last couple of years. Just it's a new regime. I'm not sure if they'll they'll value that the same way. So. Uh, those are the guys I have. Other guys who were cut are just kind of undrafted uh, guys. Tristan Jackson, Thomas Hennigan, Myron Mitchell, Blake Prohl. I think they'll keep a few of those guys for sure on the practice squad. Uh, and they would love to keep BC Johnson on the practice squad in this scenario. But um, those are the six I've got. Is your is your list any different? No, I I thought we were going to be different here, but we're the same. And so I nice. want to ask, why did you leave BC Johnson? Why did you go Albert Wilson over BC Johnson? Just the kind of the speed element and bringing something different. Um, Albert Wilson, like, and again, to me, a lot of times when I'm between two players, I, I go to, was this guy brought in by this new regime or is he a holdover? And BC Johnson's a holdover. And that may not mean all that much. Like it's going to come down to in training camp, who is the better football player? And that may well be BC Johnson, but I I'm giving Albert Wilson the nod. He's got more experience. Um, he's really fast. You can do a lot of different things with him, like gadget wise. Um, he has like a handful of, of rushing attempts in the NFL. He's like throwing a few passes. Um, you can put him in motion. Um, he's like, he's just an interesting like physical profile is like a five, nine, um, really speedy slot receiver. So that to me just differentiated him a little bit. BC Johnson to me is kind of like, like a slightly worse version of KJ Osborne. There's not that much that's different about him and he's a good solid player. And, and he, you'd love to keep on the practice squad or like I, there's, there's probably teams with, there's definitely teams with less deep wide receiver depth charts that he could make and even like play a decent amount for. Um, yeah. But the Vikings happen to have some good depth there. They drafted Jalen Naylor, so I, I I want him on the roster, and I think he might be might be the punt returner uh, this year. So um, Wilson yeah. over over BC was a tough call, but I, I gave the nod to to Wilson. In some of these at the edge of the roster decisions, what I like to look at, along with um, new regime, old regime, that was a big part of this too. Um, why I decided to have them keep Albert Wilson instead, but I also want. Like, do you have one discernible skill that we can use at some point where you're like an above average 
Like, are you above average at something that we can take advantage of and use at some point in the season? And Albert Wilson has a lot of speed. And in certain scenarios, I can see him thriving if they run some bubble screens for him, if they throw him deep. Like, I think if you have that discernible skill, and especially if that discernible skill is speed as a wide receiver, I think that's really, that's just, that helps kind your of, offense. Kind of a so separator, much. yeah. Yeah, it's so much, it helps you so much more than a BC Johnson who is just kind of, you know, kind of that maybe third down guy that you're looking to just kind of average at a lot of things and does those things, you know, decently well enough to stay on a roster enough to flirt with being a wide receiver three a couple of years ago, like obviously not a bad wide receiver, but in these late round guys, I want a specialty guy that you can go to that you can see and kind of carve out a role for, even if the guys above you aren't injured. Like I don't see a role for BC Johnson unless a couple of these guys get injured. I see a role for Albert Wilson if they want to bring him up for a game, like for a couple plays to bring him in and do some specialty things. And so that's why I want to keep Wilson. I think he just has more value without a guy getting injured than BC Johnson does. Cause BC Johnson feels like he's only going to step in if one or two of those guys go down and maybe that's all Albert Wilson would be either. But I think he has the potential to just do a little bit more. His role might not be huge, but I think he offers that speed. And with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, I think you need someone who can be kind of that speed guy. I think that could be Naylor, but I also think that could be Albert Wilson in certain scenarios. So that's why I kept Albert Wilson over BC Johnson. Yeah. Smith Marset's pretty fast too. They've got, they've got some good speed in that room. Uh, And I agree with you. Like if Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen had to miss time, you probably would prefer to put BC Johnson into that, like every down role than you would Albert Wilson. I mean, it would probably be KJ Osborne and then Amir Smith Marset seeing their roles elevated first, but um, in the event of an injury, BC Johnson could fill in capably, but if you're assuming these guys are going to stay healthy, Wilson has a little different skill set that stands out. So let's wrap up the offense here with the offensive line. And four starters are are basically locked in. Um, the tackles for sure, Darisaw and O'Neal. Ezra Cleveland, I don't think there's any situation in which he's not your week one starter at left guard. The only of the four, like, semi-locked in starters that is a question is Garrett Bradbury just because he hasn't been able to pass block at all through three seasons and and so that like in of itself just it shouldn't guarantee you a job when you're when you're as low as you are on the the PFF pass blocking rankings and I I know the Vikings have other things that they look at as well It, it, it hasn't been good there's no really way to spin that but he from the standpoint of communication as a center um, identifying um, the defensive players and shifting coverages and um, just the, the mental side of it. He's really good uh, from the run blocking side. He's really good. He's really quick first step, the, the reach blocks and all that. Um, so it, it would be just, and just the lack of a true like center to compete with him on the roster is probably a big reason why he's kind of locked into that uh, at right guard. There's, the, the competition, um, Chris Reed, Jesse Davis are the two veterans they brought in, and then Ed Ingram, the second-round pick. I still lean towards Chris Reed winning that job just off of what he put on tape with the Colts last year. Um, but he's been alternating first-team reps with Davis throughout the spring. That'll be uh, one of the most interesting competitions to watch during training camp. You know, us Vikings – reporters and, and and fans and everyone love a good guard battle to watch during camp. So we're going to have a good one. And Ingram um, was a second round pick for a reason by, by this regime. So they're going to, 
um, he's going to have a chance to, to compete for that job as well. Um, and then, so I've got the, the five starters, which for me includes Chris Reed at right guard. I've got Davis and Ingram making it as well. Um, cause they can be backup guards. Davis can play tackle too. And then I've got the rookie Vidarian low making it as kind of that swing tackle. So I only have eight, which is another thing that I didn't really like. Cause I would, I, I want to have nine or you, sometimes you even have 10, but just with, with the running backs and the quarterbacks I kept, um, I could only have eight offensive linemen if I wanted to go 25 offense, 25 defense, and then the three specialists, of course. So I've got Ole Udo getting cut. I've got Wyatt Davis getting cut, Austin Schlotman, the kind of backup center that they signed this year, um, Blake Randall, a bunch of guys. Um, the, the tough one was, was cutting Schlotman because you need to have a backup center, but um, my argument was that Chris Reed – who has played some center before could shift to center and then you go Davis or Ingram at right guard. And um, they, they have some flexibility there. I don't love only keeping eight, but that's, that's the way it worked out in my, my math. All right. So I have nine guys. Uh, this is that where I, your, your two quarterback yeah, spot, my two quarterback in. spot. Uh, so I have obviously Darisaw, O'Neal, Bradbury, Cleveland, Davis, Reed, Ingram, and then, was mulling those last two. Um, I ha- ended up keeping Oli Udo as my swing tackle uh, as opposed to Vidarian Lowe. I think he didn't play guard that well last year, and we haven't really seen him play tackle, but at least he's had some NFL reps that are on tape that you can see that maybe you can see some potential with. I like them keeping you know someone there that they feel like has some experience to play. Hey, in we saw Oli Udo play tackle in the last game of 2019 against Khalil Mack, which yes. A lot of people cited in the past few years of like, oh, maybe Ole Udo is good. And yeah, that's that's not enough for me to believe that he's that he's great. But I have him kind of um, there as the swing tackle, and then I have them keeping Schlotman as well. Uh, so I have them cutting Wyatt Davis, uh, which I thought a lot about. But I think them just bringing in the sheer amount of guards that they brought in, and then them drafting Ed Ingram pretty much spelled, um, you know. Wyatt Davis's fate. Uh, and I think if he has the good thing about all these guards being in here is it could shift a lot in training camp. So I don't think by any means he's a write-off, but I think he's got some uphill battles to do. You no longer have the old regime who drafted you there and feels a sense of responsibility to get a third round pick on the field. Like Quasi can just wipe his hands clean and say, that didn't work. We didn't draft him. That's not our guy. We're moving on. Uh, so I think it's makes it much, much easier to cut him than it would with the previous regime here. So I think he's gone. And then, yeah, I just valued Udo over low a little bit there. Uh, and I wanted, and I wanted Schlotman as a backup center. Uh, I think this is a spot. I almost thought about leaving Schlotman off and saying like to be announced other free agent center or guard that they decide to sign. I think, this one and another position that I'm going to highlight later is ones where you feel like they could use some of that cap space that they still have left. Uh, I kept it right now with guys just on the roster, but Schlotman right now would be that guy. But I think he's the guy that you'd remove if you can find someone that some other team cut or one of these free agents that their price comes down a little bit more as we get closer to training camp. Yeah, it, it's tough. We both cut Wyatt Davis, who was like – a two-time All-American at Ohio State it was a third-round pick last year, and um, I thought when they drafted him, like he was going to be your starting guard. But it just 
for whatever reason didn't come together, but it's only been a year. Like I, I hate to write him off. Um, so we'll see if he can um, put up a good, a good battle and, and earn his way onto the roster in training camp. Let's, let's go to the defense. And so question for you, how did you do it with the defensive line? Um, did you do all defensive linemen slash outside linebackers slash whatever in, in one category? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I split it up. I did the, the defensive linemen, like hand on the ground, like defensive tackles, three, four okay. defensive ends, basically. Um, and I have five of those. And then I had six outside linebackers. So I had, I had 11 total kind of like defensive front players who are not off ball linebackers. I, I'm still getting used to how to like break yes, this down and too. describe it in this, in this three, four. Um, yes. But I also have 11 of those guys. Uh, I just, okay. Them so you, all you start, linemen. you start with this one and tell me you're 11. All right. I have Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith, Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tomlinson, Armin Watts, DJ Wanham, James Lynch, Asezi Atomowo, Patrick Jones, Janarius Robinson, and Indomitian Sue is my last one. Oh, see, I, we I had were to throw get a little bit. Of, I had to throw a little bit of something in here. Come on, I had to make it a little interesting. No, that and that that is a good one. I, I've got a kind of spot reserved in my mind for Indomitian Sue if they do decide to pursue that. I do, I don't know how serious that report is. Um, it sounds I'm like they've had in, com- conversations. Yeah. It would it would be fun. I mean, he's 35. Um, Matthew Carr and I talked about this a little bit on on the show the other day, but um, he, he may not have that much left. Like he's not going to be peak in Dominican Sioux, but I think he could still make a big impact in a, in a rotational um, kind of third down pass rush role. So let me call out the, the differences. I had. So you actually included him as one of your 53? Yes, I did. I like that. That's fun. Um, so I did not do not have James Lynch on this roster, which I wrote this yesterday. And since then I've already kind of been like, maybe I should have James Lynch because like he played in a three, four and was really good in that role at Baylor. Um, for now, I do not have him. I have Jonathan Bullard who they signed a few weeks ago. Um, He's played with Ed Donatel in Chicago. Um, He was coached by Chris Rumpf, the Vikings defensive line coach at Florida. He's kind of just like a a average veteran, but I think there's some, some stuff to his athletic profile uh, and his just experience um, that caused me to want to get him on this roster. Just kind of a, kind of a sleeper pick from me, Jonathan Bullard, who, if you're not following the Vikings, like obsessively every minute transaction they make, you may not have even heard of, but they signed him a few weeks ago, um, previously with the bears and uh, a couple other teams that are slipping my mind right now. So that's the only, well, and then the other difference is since I did not reserve a spot for Indomitian Sioux, I also have Andre Mintz on the roster. Who's another guy that they just signed. Um, and, and I just, I feel like they, they, they bring these guys in for a reason and then they're going to have a chance to compete. And Mintz was a um, 2021 undrafted free agent out of Vanderbilt. He was with the Broncos last year. He was with Donatel last year. Uh, and he's got like everybody they bring in, he's got that elite um, 10 second split in the 40 yard dash, that first step. So I had him on there as well. Um, at, at I know Jalen Twyman. 
No Jalen Twyman. I don't think we either of us have Jalen Twyman. So my cuts at on the defensive line were Twyman, James Lynch, and then TJ Smith, T.Y. McGill, Julian Taylor, um, Tyree Stevenson. And then the only two outside linebackers I cut were uh, UDFAs this year, Luigi Villain and Zach McLeod. Um, I, I think, yeah, we're both on the same page with 11, like with the all the different kind of responsibilities that nose tackles and and the five techs and outside linebacker, like you can't, you can't have too much depth there. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. That Jalen Twyman one was the only one I was considering. I was considering him or Mince for that final spot and then decide to give it to Ndamukong Sue. But I think that if, if that doesn't happen, which it's more likely than not, it doesn't happen. I think that's the battle you're looking at uh, for maybe one of those last spots in the roster. Uh, Twyman, obviously another holdover for, Drafted probably in the idea of a different system. Mince comes from the system Same that Donatel is going to yeah. run. So that is a little bit questionable and that maybe would favor um, Mince to stay in that role. But I was just looking it up. The Athletic put out uh, a 53-man roster recently. Both Chad and Arif had Twyman over Mince. So I think that one is still very much up in the air of where people see that final spot going. But I think that probably is the competition. What can Twyman show after obviously what happened to him last year as he's recovering from that and finally getting on the field. Uh, I, I don't know. I, Ndama can sue. I kind of used as a cop-out to not have to answer that question. So that'll yeah. be a really, that'll be a really interesting battle. Uh, if you're interested in the final of an 11 man defensive line group, if that's your fancy, then that's going to be your battle that you're paying attention to. Yeah. And before we move on, I'll throw a couple like deep, deep sleepers out. Um, I already even, Bullard and Mintz are kind of sleepers, uh, yeah. but Julian Taylor was another guy that they, they've just signed a bunch of guys this offseason to like veteran minimum, veteran at minimum deals um, just as, as depth and, and competition. And Taylor was a guy who was kind of intriguing a few years ago for the Niners and then got hurt, but those tools are still probably there. So he's someone I'll, I want to keep an eye on a little bit. Uh, and then Luigi villain um, who, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Villain. I'm not sure. He a has an awesome name, um, but B like played really well for Wake Forest last year, like eight, nine, 10 sacks, something in that range. Uh, and they gave him a bunch of money, uh, a bunch of guaranteed money as an undrafted free agent this year. So it wouldn't shock me. Like we can't just pencil Janarius Robinson in for the same reason that he wasn't drafted by this regime. I mean, we didn't see anything out of him or Twyman last year because they didn't play at all. But uh, Villain's a guy who who could push Janaris Robinson, could even push like Patrick Jones or DJ Wanham, maybe. I don't, there's nothing set in stone here. So those are a couple of deep sleepers to keep in mind. Let's go to the inside linebackers, the off-ball linebackers, where I have them keeping four. Uh, there's three locks here. Eric Hendricks, Jordan Hicks are your veteran starters. And then Brian Asamoah, their third-round pick, is obviously making the team. It's like a very early third-round pick, 66 overall. Uh, so that leaves one or two spots. And for me, I only have one spot because I just think when in this defense, when you're, you're playing uh, the outside linebackers, the way you are, like a lot of time, you're only going to have two inside linebackers on the field. So it's going to be Kendricks and Hicks and Asamoa will see some like rotational snaps for sure. He'll, he'll probably play a lot on special teams, but there's one more spot here. And I gave it to the guy who one more spot on my list. And I gave it to the guy who led the Vikings in special team snaps last year. And that's Blake Lynch, who is a 2020 undrafted free agent out of Baylor. 
uh, the Vikings drafted a third round or a fourth round linebacker that year in Troy Dye. They drafted a third round linebacker last year in Chad Surratt. And I think Blake Lynch has been better than both of those guys um, over the past couple seasons when he's gotten a chance to play on defense and then just also on special teams. So I've got Lynch getting that spot and I've got, I got, I'm cutting Dye and Surratt, which is a tough all again, because whenever you're cutting like recent draft picks who aren't like late round guys, you're third, fourth round guys. It's kind of tough, but I just think Lynch has been better and he's super valuable on special teams. Yeah. This is the spot where I was like, I, I wanted to find a way to get Trez Surratt into the 53 man roster. I think I really liked that draft pick uh, when they made it. I thought, you know, he had the athleticism to be a really good linebacker and just kind of show some skills. And again, I like when you have one really big discernible skill that we can weaponize and use both on offense and on defense. And I think Surratt has that. And so it was kind of a matter of, am I going to go with that? Or I'm going to go with my head, which says this is probably more of a special team spot that you're bringing in to, to, to play. And you probably want someone with some experience because Brian Esmoa has just not played. So if one of those guys goes down, you want to have someone who's maybe been in there before. Uh, with all that said, I still went with Chesterot. So I went uh, against my head and had him on the roster. Uh, I just think what he can do athletically has some long-term potential there. We saw Eric Kendricks fall off in his performance last year. I wrote about it for the site. If you haven't checked it out, um, Becoming 30 when you're a linebacker is, is not a great age. They fall off pretty, pretty drastically. And Kendricks is right around that age. And he fell off one, one year last year. And so is that just an anomaly because you had bad players around him? Or is that kind of more of what we are going to expect from Eric Kendricks? And if so, they need to have a long-term plan. And I think Surratt has the best upside of those guys. And then you're hoping he can come in and have a better more defined role on special teams. Jordan Hicks obviously is slightly long in the tooth and isn't a guy that it seems like they have long, long-term aspirations of being on this team. So I wanted some youth that I could see developing and pushing for a potential starting role, maybe not this year, but down the line. And so that's where I went with Surratt and you hope you can get some special teams production out of him, but it is an inexperienced group behind those two linebackers. So that is that was a big concern for me, but ultimately I wanted Surratt's talent on the roster. So I kept him over Blake Lynch and over Troy Dye. Yeah. You make, you make a pretty compelling argument there. And, and Surratt, like it was an interesting draft pick to me last year. Like we, we do so many of the mock drafts and draft predictions. stuff. I never even considered that they would draft uh, a, a linebacker that early. Um, and Chad Surratt wasn't even somebody I had really heard of in, in studying the draft, but uh, there were reasons for that. Uh, I mean, he's very, very athletic. Um, so that alone gives him a higher like long-term upside than someone like a Blake Lynch, who's more of a known commodity, I would say. Um, and I, I can understand your point of like, hey, maybe a few years down the line, it could be Chaz Surratt and Brian SMO as your two um, like starting off-ball linebackers because both Kendricks and Hicks are near 30. But um, for me, just for this year, I, I went with Lynch and hopefully we can keep Surratt on the practice squad. Um, so we'll see that that's another competition that's going to be interesting to watch. And just because I think I've named everyone on the 90 man roster so far as we've gone through this, the other two linebackers cut here are Ryan Connolly, uh, Eden Prairie's finest and William Quenkeu, who's another 
um, like minor free agent deal this offseason. I think he's I think he's a rookie UDFA. I, I would like uh, to object. I don't think you mentioned like the sixth and seventh running backs on the roster. Did you? Did you give? Oh, a you're right. Bar- you're did right. you give a Jake Vargas breakdown or a no? A Brian, Brian Kobach. Kobach. Yeah. No, I yeah, didn't. I needed, your, right. I needed your insight on those guys. So Actually, I and I didn't. I don't think I said Nate Stanley's <laughs> name either as the fourth quarterback who okay. doesn't really seem like he has any chance to make this team. Yes. Um, all right. Let's go to the secondary to wrap up here. Uh, the safeties. We don't need to spend a ton of time on. I don't think. Uh, I think the corners are more interesting. Safeties, Harrison Smith, Lewis Seen, Cam Bynum, Lock City. Um, I think they're all probably going to play uh, to some degree this year because Cam Bynum, like, you can't just you can't just have him on the bench after what he showed last year. I, I think, like, there's just too much potential there. Um, and I love the Lewis Seen pick. I think he's got to be considered the favorite to start because he just has that skill set uh, and certain – bring certain things to the table that Bynum doesn't, but you, you still want to find a way to use Bynum this year, three safety looks or get Bynum in the slot or the box or whatever it is. Uh, and then for me, it's similar to linebackers that leaves one spot afterwards, um, which comes down to Josh Metellus, Miles Dorn or um, undrafted rookie, Mike Brown. And I've got it going to Metellus. Um, he's the only one out of that group who was a draft pick. Um, and he's another guy like Blake Lynch who has played a ton of special team snaps. Uh, and so when I'm, when I'm cutting guys like Dan, Dan Chisna, yeah, he's one of he's their been, better special teams, been really good on special teams. I think they've, they've talked about that before. Um, how, uh, like uh, the previous coaching staff that is, um, he can play on like every special teams unit, um, coverage, return, field goal, block, all that stuff. So yeah. those, those are my four at safety. Yeah, for me, this was the easiest um, group, the secondary group to lock in. Uh, I had those same four, Harrison Smith, Lewisine, Cam Bynum, Josh Metellus. I wasn't out there for OTAs, but I believe the reports were Metellus was even kind of playing on the first team when Seen or Smith or Smith was absent. Like he was very much getting some run there. Uh, so I think I think he profiles more as a special teamer, uh, but I think he's been on the roster, has more experience than those other guys. And again, has a discernible skill that they can utilize, which is his special teams prowess. So all four safeties, I had pretty, pretty easily put those in miles door and Mike Brown were easy cuts for me. And then Mm -hmm. transitioning to cornerback, I have them keeping how many did I have them keep a six. So Pat Pete, Cam Dantzler, Andrew Booth, Caleb Evans, Chandon Sullivan, Chris Boyd. Those were again, pretty, pretty easy for me. Um, With the amount of guys I went with, I had enough to keep six cornerbacks uh, Mm -hmm. and I didn't feel like needing to add another guy to any other part of the roster. So I think if you're trying to, to only keep five cornerbacks, then Chris Boyd's spot is kind of in jeopardy. But I think for this exercise, I had room for all six. And so I was able to slide all six in Chris Boyd again, has been a guy that's played well on special teams. So I didn't have much issue or trouble figuring out where my secondary pieces were going to go. Uh, it was, it was pretty easy to, to cut Harrison hand, Perry Nicholson, Nickerson, Nate Harrison, those guys. Like I didn't, I didn't um, have much issue, but I'm interested to hear if you have a different group, if you disagree. Yeah. So it's interesting. You say that it was a very easy decision because we do have one difference. Um, All right. And I, I made the perhaps controversial move of cutting Chris Boyd, who is like, uh, a beloved teammate, super funny locker room guy, um, and, and, a, and a good player too. But 
I have Nate Hairston taking that spot, who is the former Denver Bronco, um, who has the familiarity with with Donatel with this scheme, who, unlike Boyd, can play outside and he can play on the inside. Because um, for me, one of the question marks here is like, who's the backup nickel? Um, I don't know what that answer is, so that's that's why I have Nate Hairston um, on the roster because he can fill that role. He's played in the slot before. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so Chan and Sullivan's your starting nickel, but you want to have a, a, somebody there who, who can play there in a pinch. And I don't know if, if a Caleb Evans, if you want like to throw a fourth round rookie onto the field in the slot, Harrison hand can do it too, but uh, that wasn't enough for me to, to justify getting him on the roster. Um, so I've got Harrison over Boyd uh, just because of that flexibility and that experience playing with this coaching staff or at least with Donatel and, and in this scheme. Yeah. I think so both take, hand, take that Paul. Yeah. I think both hand or Nickerson could play that nickel depth piece uh, if they needed it in a pinch. Um, and, and so you can elevate that, somebody off the practice yeah, squad. If so you, that's if you, both those guys felt to me like very easy potential practice squad guys that you could elevate. Obviously that means if one of them got injured during a game, you don't have a nickel guy you feel great about, uh, mm-hmm. but you just figured out for that game. Um, and I think, Again, the versatility that Cam Bynum presents for them to uh, just moving throughout the defense, I think, gives them options in what what they can do. And so I think, again, Chris Boyd's special team, I've already removed a couple really good special teams guys uh, from the roster like Blake Lynch. And so I wanted to get a couple more back in there that I feel like have a strong role. Dan Chisholm is not going to be on the roster. Like I, I wanted some guys with some special teams prowess. So that's why I went with Chris Boyd and I kind of um, – didn't pay as much attention to the nickel nickel depth. I feel like they will have some guys in the practice squad that they can move up if, if, if they need to. So yeah, it, it, it became easy for me, but I can see, I can see, I can understand why you'd want Hairston. And again, I think you over me prioritize some of those Denver Broncos that Ed Donna Ed Donatel had in his system. And I think that'll be again, an interesting thing to watch for is uh, along the edges of those of this roster, do they go with a Donatel experienced guys? Do they go with some of the younger unproven players that have already, that were already on the roster, but are holdovers from a different scheme? Like where are they going to go with some of those and where are they, which, which guys are they going to keep? Is it going to be a mix? Is it going to be all Denver Bronco guys? Is it going to be all not of them? Like there's, there's a lot of different ways that could go. And I think that'll be a really interesting um, case study. And I think you cited more on the, all right, if I have a position that I'm trying to figure out, go with the Denver Bronco that Donatel's bringing over. And I kept with some of the holdovers. So it'll be interesting which way they go on that. Yeah. I think Mintz and Harrison are the only like technical former Broncos, but just a general idea. I didn't keep them. So yeah. And there's like, I kept Bullard too, who played with Donatel in Chicago. So just familiarity across previous coaching staffs. Uh, And then I'll just, say this quickly but we've talked about it before but one of the best competitions that I'm looking forward to is um, can Andrew Booth push Dantzler like right away for a starting outside job because I think um, I love that Booth pick I think he has a chance to be a steal Um, incredible ball skills athleticism all that just he needs to get healthy and then he needs to he needs to prove himself because he's a rookie so Paul thanks for for doing this with me oh wait we gotta hit the specialist there's there's no there's no like question marks here. It's they cut Gabe Burkich, who was Greg Joseph's competition. So for now, they could still bring somebody in for camp, but for now, Greg Joseph's your kicker. 
I've got Jordan Berry being the punter over the undrafted Ryan Wright and then Andrew DePaola as your long snapper. So uh, I don't even think we need to no. discuss that at all. But no, Paul, was- thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. It was fun to kind of talk through this and um, see where we're maybe thinking a little bit differently. And um, uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Always fun having you on the show. Thanks, Will. I look forward to my Nandamak and Sue pick becoming correct here in a couple couple days when they sign him and he makes the roster. So that's what I'm that's what I'm hanging my hat on. So I'm excited to see what happens. All right, you heard it here first. Thanks for listening, everybody.